As we saw in our last episode, there are more than a few prophets that point to the day of the Lord. Our goal in these timely predictions by the prophet Joel is to show what's involved in that day and how necessary the church understand the conclusive events and timing indicators that will bring this age to an end and transition into the age to come. Much has been held as a mystery. The word mystery comes from a, a Greek word in the Bible, meaning something that's, that's hidden, but it's meant to be revealed and understood in its proper time. And I think that's the key to that definition. And we're now in that proper time. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1. God, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, in him, in Jesus. You know, it's becoming abundantly clear there is significant revelation now and a role for the church in this late hour as it makes known to the powers of the air the manifold wisdom of God in the events leading to the Great Tribulation and His glorious return. Hi everyone, I'm Bill Nordstrom and I welcome you to the program today. You know, God does use natural disasters as timing indicators for the day of the Lord. But having said that, it's important we understand the broader or the the big picture in the book of Joel, especially chapters 1 and 2. We should understand these, these opening scriptures as one unit that reveals an historical fulfillment but also is packed with revelation of its ultimate fulfillment at the end of the age. Joel prophesied in three different sections about three different expressions of God's judgment, escalating from locust invasion to military conflict. Then Joel turns to the leadership of the nation and the general population in how they are to respond. This is extremely important for us, Because our response to the events that lie ahead in our very near future must be commensurate or or equal to what Joel called for, maybe even more so. In Joel 2.28, through the remainder of the book, the focus shifts from the locust plague to the Babylonian military invasion, to the end of this age and the war and the battle for Jerusalem, which we have spoken about in previous episodes. All the nations will be involved. Joel ministered between two crises, the locust invasion in the past and the military invasion of the future, both of which God took full responsibility for. Listen to Joel 1.15. Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as destruction from the Almighty. Locusts and devastation they cause are not new to various regions of the world. Desert swarms of locusts continue even to this day to spread in Africa and the Middle East. As of March this year, an outbreak was initially confined to mainly Kenya, Ethiopia, and Somalia. But a United Nations organization continues to track at least 15 countries in Africa, the Middle East, and South Asia affected by the locusts. 
The swarms have appeared as a swath hundreds of miles wide from South Sudan in the west to parts of Pakistan in the east. Throughout history, swarms of locusts have struck Israel. One swarm in 1889 was estimated to cover 2,000 square miles. So we can say locust invasions are really nothing new. Nevertheless, chapter 1 is important. Listen to the command from Joel in the light of his crises. These are the words he uses. Hear, give ear, tell your children, awake, weep and wail, lament, be ashamed. Pass the night in sackcloth, consecrate, call and gather and cry out. All that in just one chapter. Listen, today is the day to develop an intercessor's heart. Weep and wail over the spiritual conditions in the church. Prepare yourself in the Word of God to give ear and tell your children and grandchildren what the Bible says is to come and why. This is not a popular pursuit in in comfortable Western culture. There are a number of words that could well describe 21st century civilization. Proverbs 18.3 puts it this way, When wickedness comes, contempt comes also with dishonor and disgrace. Now, the Hebrew word here for contempt means an evil springing from prosperity, disrespect, and condemnation, much like culture is today. Certainly, our contemptuous condition calls for a sacred assembly birthed out of intercession and travail. We don't need more cutting-edge ministry. We need a, a rending of the heart before the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's talk a bit about God's judgments. As the result of Adam's rebellion in the garden, there's a divine curse of judgment on the earth. Romans chapter 8. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Believe me, the Word of God is pregnant with prophetic revelation. I would suggest the church will soon become incapacitated with anything less than travail and supplication, crying out night and day in houses of prayer all over the world. Hurricanes, earthquakes, droughts, tornadoes, etc., they're all the consequence of God's judgment pronounced in the garden that may be very uncomfortable and extremely challenging to your theological perspectives, but it's clear history is a continuum of creation's agonizing groaning as it longs for liberation from that curse that happened in the garden. It's simply not biblical to divorce God from creation in the midst of crisis. Joel is so powerfully relevant to us in this hour of history because just as God used those natural disasters and military conflicts in Joel's day, he'll also use natural disasters and military conflicts at the end of the age in our day to bring about his purposes in the nations. If he did it then, why wouldn't he do it now and in the future? You know, I'm a bit of a contrarian, believing the Holy Spirit is encouraging the church to do less praying for governmental and cultural favor in these days 
and start turning our hearts in a spirit of voluntary weakness to holy, sacred assemblies where prophetic anointings will speak of divine strategies in the critical days ahead. As I've said before, the the genie is out of the bottle and will not be returned to that place where we can wish upon a star makes no difference where you are. Folks, this is not Disneyland. A church in travail will prevail. The body of Christ will minister in the context of apocalyptic evangelism. When have we ever effectively evangelized, prospered, and, and grown outside the pressure of persecution? Such severity will be required in the future because of the committal level of the nations to their rebellious agenda. They rage and plot a vain thing. They, they take counsel together against the Lord and his, against His anointed Jesus. Nearly every fabric of Western culture, that which we've exported to the nation, speaks of rebellion, compromise, and sin. That's what we put out there. And much of what we've imported from that simple movement created in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago has been turned into the latest cutting-edge experiment with the great American gospel enterprise. Joel explains Judah's rebellion and compromise against God is the problem, not the locusts, not the Babylonians, not even the Antichrist emerging at the end of the age. God is employing numerous agents and has done so throughout history to accomplish His objectives in the earth and remove everything that hinders love. God is going to do a supernatural renovation. This is not the end of the world. It's the end of the age. With our minds still firmly fixed on Joel, let's note the judgment events in Revelation dramatically impact the created order. The seven seals in chapter 6 revolve around military conflict and impact every strata of society, ultimately taking the lives of a quarter of the earth's population. And the Son of God takes full responsibility for initiating and concluding this great conflict. The seven trumpets and seven bulbs revolve around the natural disasters affecting the air, water, vegetation to break down the ecosystem. And again, God takes full responsibility. You know, there are about uh, seven billion people on the earth right now. It wasn't until about 1850 the world's population even reached 1 billion, and that doubled in 100 years in 1950 to 2 billion. That's exponential growth. What that means is upwards of one and three-quarter billion people in the Great Tribulation will perish. Jesus taught the natural created order would convulse before his return. He compared it to a woman in labor, birth pains, that allow her to continue for the most part with life as usual. Localized military conflicts and natural disturbances are nothing new. But mom knows when heavy labor begins, life is no longer as usual. She's incapacitated. A birth is about to take place. A baby born, yes, in a day. The Great Tribulation initiates a succession of apocalyptic events that result in an entire nation saved, yes, in a day. 
Jesus' description of the end times in the Gospels all draw from Isaiah 24. That's uh, the prophet's little apocalypse, as it's called by the scholars. The violent breaking of the earth, the burning of its inhabitants to the point where few men are left. It really doesn't make any difference if that's troubling, because it is. God's word to his church is that it will not be subject to his wrath, a wrath directed at an evil, rebellious world. His judgments are righteous, just, and true, and for the sake of love and mercy. Revelation is clear that when God pours out his wrath at the end, men will be calling on death as they continue to curse God and die. While we will not be targeted to God's wrath, certainly we will be subject to the rage of Satan. That's also clear in the book of Revelation. Read chapter 12. That'll let you know. All that said, Prophet Joel provides a threefold response on our part to the crisis I just described. The only prophet who points to a, a necessary response. I promise you, the Bible says if you, if you don't wholeheartedly respond, things will not go well. Listen to what Joel says here. Hear the unprecedented realities of the Lord's judgment, verses 1 through 3. Hear this, you elders, and give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Hear this, you apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Hear this, church leadership. He also says, discern, discern with spiritual eyes. Have insight and understanding. Joel asks, has anything like this happened in your days or even in the days of your fathers? It's a rhetorical question. Of course, nothing to this degree has ever happened like this before. He tells us to tell the kids, tell the grandkids, now is the time to disciple the next generation. We need, we need spiritual mothers and fathers in the church. Now, more than ever, those mature in the Word of God with uncompromising love toward a generation looking for answers. And then in verse 3, he says, Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children and their children yet another generation. Listen to what else the prophet commands of us. Gather together in corporate intercession and fasting. Verses 13 and 14. Gird yourself and lament, you priests, you pastors, teachers, spiritual leaders. Wail, you who minister before the altar. Come, lie all night in sackcloth, you who minister to my God. For the grain offering and the drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Listen, at the end of the day, we'll be radically apostolic, divinely sent people, a people who know their God, a people of understanding who will, will teach many, or we'll be radically apostate, one who abandons his faith and participates in the great falling away. And it will be the issue of Israel that will determine which way you go in those final hours. You'll be either the persecutor or the persecuted. Much to consider here, 
and Joel's just really getting started. In chapter 2, we're going to examine the military invasion in Joel's day and the ultimate incursion of the Antichrist, which will come in our day, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit before the day of the Lord. I encourage you to read these short chapters, only three of them. Read them again and again. There are plenty of takeaways. Share this teaching with your friends and with your family, especially your grandchildren and and your children. There's a generation asking deep, searching questions these days. Give them answers from God's Word. God bless each and every one of you. We'll see you next time. I'm Bill Nordstrom.